0: What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. On today's What Fuels You episode, we have Rahul Sud. Rahul started his first company, Voodoo PC, when he was just 17 years old. The luxury and gaming computer manufacturer sold to HP in 2006, and Rahul spent four years as their CTO. After leaving HP, Rahul spent some time at Microsoft before starting his current company, Unicorn. Unicorn, an esports betting and news company, has received over $10 million in funding and is backed by big names like Ashton Kutcher, Mark Cuban, Liz Murdoch, Sherry Redstone, and many others. He's an active member in the Seattle entrepreneurial community, an avid cyclist, an incredible innovator, a husband, and a father. Welcome, Rahul.
1: Thank you. Thank Thanks. For having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. So we're going to start with our rapid fire. What's your current favorite video game? League of Legends. Okay, that's an easy one. Easy peasy. Yeah. Are you more of an innovator or a salesman? I'd say more of an innovator. Okay. Yeah. What's your dream car?
1: Uh. Well, I mean, I, I like guess. Like, here's
0: your, here's your billion dollars, what car are you buying?
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd probably get a, um, you know, one of those uh, those Mercedes buses that they have? Oh, yeah, ABCs? those are Yeah, so I'd get one of those decked out with a driver, probably, I think.
0: And you'd, like, sleep in the back?
1: Uh, yeah, maybe. Like, I like road trips and stuff, so, yeah. Nice. Conducting business back there and not having to drive.
0: That'd be pretty, Driving Miss Daisy, I like yeah. that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie?
1: Scarface. Oh, so good. I think I've seen it,
0: I don't know, a thousand times. Mountain biking or road biking? Road biking. Tell us one thing that you're afraid of. uh, Flying. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you fly a
1: lot. I fly a lot. So what do you do? I accept my fate before I get on the plane every single time. You do what? You know, I, I think, like, if this is it, this is it, basically. So you,
0: like, say goodbye to people?
1: Well, not really say goodbye, but, you know, I... I assume that when I get on that plane, one of these times something's going to happen.
0: Wait, so. so are you aisle or window? Uh, it doesn't matter. And do you take anything, or you just no. like, sleep?
1: I, I just get on there and you I've know, had
0: that. Fly. We can talk about that offline. Yeah, I've had that fear of flying thing. It's yeah. the worst. It is the worst. But it's the worst. Yeah. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to go. That's all good. So deep, <laughs> <No> so quickly. <laughs> no um, okay, so um, you're one of the first guests that I've had that I don't know really well. So this is going to be extra fun for me because we can like real time get to know each other. Sure. Um, so I know that you grew up in Canada. I did. And you were born there? I was born there. And are you one of these people who's like really into being Canadian? Um, Am I into being Canadian? I mean, I like Canada. Uh, Is it a know. part of your identity? Like when you're traveling on yeah. that plane, are you like, I'm American or I'm Canadian? No, no.
1: I mean, I say that I'm I'm Indian because, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are, are, well, my grandparents are from India. My mm-hmm. parents are from Kenya, but um, I was born in Canada. But I'm not, I'm not like one of those, you know proud Canadian type mm-hmm. people. I I love Canada, don't get me wrong, but yeah. you know, I I feel in in my heart that I'm Indian. So. Yeah.
0: And what does that mean to you to be Indian? Were you raised in a traditional house? Uh,
1: traditional? No, I was kind of raised in a in a sort of a dysfunctional house in many ways. Um uh totally not your typical Indian upbringing, uh for sure. You know, um my parents were were not religious in any way. Um, mm-hmm. but but we had a lot of Indian friends growing up, you know, mm-hmm. given that we grew up in Calgary, which is uh, it's, it's sort of like a, a cowboy town, you know, and there wasn't a lot of Indians when we first were growing up. But yeah. then it sort of
0: became more cultural. And so your global. family friends were like cousins kind of thing? Yeah. 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 And w- did you grow up around a lot of Indian food and Indian cultural things? Yeah. Just not the religious yeah. part? Yeah, kind
1: of. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, yeah we, we grew up, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, with a bunch of cultural stuff, uh, mm-hmm. Indian related, but definitely not the religious. Yeah. And
0: sure. have you been? Have you visited?
1: Oh, all the time. All the yeah. time. Yeah.
0: You still have a lot of family there?
1: No. Um, I have my, my father in is there. Um, yeah. And, like, m- there's maybe a couple of cousins there somewhere, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so growing up, was education a big value in your family, like important to know where you go to school? Nope. Nothing? No, 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 Not no.
1: typical? I, I went to seven different elementary schools. Yeah.
0: Were you kind of entrepreneurial? What were you like as a kid?
1: Um, I, was, uh, I was very entrepreneurial. I yeah. didn't like school. Yeah. Um, I, I did well in school. Did you have learning disabilities? No. You no. just didn't I, like Actually, it. I had a stutter. Oh, my oh. God. I can't even believe I remember this, but I had a very bad stutter when uh-huh. I was in elementary school like to the point where I couldn't say certain words, um, and I'd have to change the word because I was stuttering so bad. But I had a very bad
0: stutter. Yeah. I think I had a lisp. Yeah. (laughs) I'd
1: rather have a lisp than a stutter. Stutter is (laughs) hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you overcame it. And so you went to public school, and then – so you said education wasn't a big thing. So was your plan to go to college? Well, kind of. I mean, my mom, you
1: know, she she wanted me to – to go and become like doing become an accountant or something. A doctor? Like, yeah, just what well, you know, she knew I wasn't gonna become a doctor. Like that was that was pretty big expectations for somebody like myself. Yeah. Um, so she wanted me to go and, you know, become an accountant. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, to be honest with you. I you know, m- my father actually started us working when we were like twelve years old, you know, like working very young because he used to have these stores and we used to work inside his stores. Um but after high school, I I just I just wasn't interested. Like I I wasn't interested in going to college. I did go to college for about six months, but then my company just took off. So and that was I guess a bit of right place, right time sort of thing. But right. I just was not interested in going to school.
0: Right. Yeah. It served you pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I've been like. playing
1: games all my life, and I still yeah. play games. Well,
0: I read that you—so yeah. someone gave you a computer, or you had a computer when you were little?
1: No, my, my parents bought me, a like, a, a computer. A little, and you yeah. took it apart? Took it apart, yeah. Did you Some put people. it back together? Yeah, oh, yeah. Put it back together. Um, yeah. Painted it.
0: Like I a, feel like when I read <laughs> about entrepreneurs or even interview entrepreneurs that say they took it apart, yeah. it is like a certain type of person who, like, that's what they're going to do with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up playing um, every single console ever made, like those, you know, the ones you hook up to Atari. Atari, Atari and, all yeah, and yeah. television and ColecoVision and all that stuff. And then eventually they finally got me a computer system because, you know, they thought I was playing too many video games. And yeah. um, the first thing I did was take it apart and made it look really cool. Um, and then I just started playing games on that. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so tell me about the company that you started instead of going to college.
1: Yeah. So um, so I was I was big into gaming um, and, you know, PC gaming and um and back then, you know, there were companies like Dell and HP and Micron and Compaq. Like, there was a whole bunch of different, different companies out there, but none of them really made, you know, great PCs to play games on. Um, and they were all really boring looking. Like, they were just beige boxes, whatever, just, like, really boring. And uh, and I was working at my father's um, flooring store. Mm. And uh, this guy came in who was setting up this computer warehouse where where they sell parts, wholesale parts for, you know, for for building systems. And, um, and he was speaking with me and I, and I basically sold them, you know, flooring for their whole place. And he said, man, you are an incredible salesperson. And I noticed you're, you're, you're tinkering with this PC behind the desk. Cause that's what I was doing really well. You know, while I was there, I was just like playing with computer systems. I said, yeah, I'm really into this and I'm, you know, and it's just something that I really care about. And he, he saw him, he, he asked me what I like doing. I said, I like playing wing commander, you know, on this PC. So. He said, "Why don't you come see me and, you know, maybe maybe this might turn into something, you know, bigger for you. You know, we can sell you parts, you can build robotics." Um, I think it was like 16 at the time. Wow. The time. Yeah. So, I went to go see him and I I saw that they had all these parts that you could build and, you know, get creative and that sort of thing. So, I I took a completely different approach to building a system and I said, "Okay, well, let me buy all these different parts and, you know, see what I can do with it." And then um, you know, it it wasn't long before I was building these PCs on, you know, the in the middle of this like flooring store <laughs> and selling them. Um I, I put an Did ad. Did you make
0: good uh, profits?
1: Yeah, I mean well, I mean good profits like I was making a hundred, two hundred dollars a system. Yeah, at you
0: know. that age, you're saying. So, that, that
1: age it was great. Yeah. Know? So um so I was building these PCs, I put an ad in the bargain finder <laughs> and like the local, you know, whatever like bargain finder it's called, actually. And uh, I started selling PCs. I sold like seven computers in my first week. And trust me, selling computers from a, the you know the middle of a flooring store is is like pulling teeth. Barn and how do they trust
0: you? They're like a halo, sixteen year old. I,
1: I, I was just like, a, you know, I was You're a good, good salesman. Yeah, I was a good <laughs> salesman, and I and I loved what I did, and you know, and I showed. I mean, that's super the, cool. The way we were building systems. I mean, we, me, um, we are building systems was uh, was just you know different from what most people were doing, and. Um, and then it just started to take off. I actually... So is that so, what
0: your company ended up being? Yeah,
1: that's what my company ended up being. We we were like the world's first PC gaming hardware manufacturer. We, we built PCs specifically to play video games on. And, you know, at that time, I was working part-time with my dad, right? Uh-huh. And then my other job was working at... Yeah, uh, you probably never heard of Woolco, but Woolco is a uh-uh. company that was purchased by Walmart. Okay. And it was like the Canadian Walmart. Okay. And I used to work in the automotive section of Woolco. This is when I was like fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, and then I worked in the camera department. I mean, I hated it. It was a retail job. And there was this guy who worked with me in sporting goods. We'd throw stuff at each other. We would just have a good time. I and mean, we was just it, we were just there for yeah, fun, just but a not really a job. Exactly. Um, Anyways, there was this one time when when we were doing like really something really stupid. Like we were throwing these um these like little rubber pellets at each other and and he for whatever reason, he thought it would be fun to, you know, run up while I was at at the till with the customer. And he whipped these rubber pellets. I mean, he hit the customer. Oh. <laughs> he, he he ended up getting fired for this. And um, anyways, he was the first employee that I hired at Voodoo when when I started this company. I said, you know, Mike's a great guy. I hired him. He came like, in that's hilarious. and we built this little booth inside of my dad's flooring store where he would be in there building these computer systems, and I taught him how to do it. And um and he's now Doing an amazing consulting gig in Calgary, you know. Since then, but yeah, it's
0: wow. A crazy and so, storm. okay, so tell me about the name of the company. It's Voodoo PC. Yeah, it's called. How'd Voodoo. you come up with that name? Yeah, I mean, we were building black
1: computer systems. You know, I thought that was kind of cool, and it was like sort of like black magic and whatever. Just I just thought it was a cool name. You know, I think if we called ourselves anything that, like. Data PC whatever no, no, warehouse. I completely agree. I wouldn't be here today. No, I completely <laughs> so, agree. It's yeah. a really
0: cool name. It yeah. caught my eye big time. Yeah. And so, did you bootstrap it? And you funded yeah. it out of your like
1: Mastercard. Yeah. Out of Mastercard. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mastercard. And <laughs> what did your
0: mom and dad think of that?
1: Well, my dad didn't even know about it. Like, he didn't know about it until like month three. Yeah. Um, my mom knew about it, and she just thought it was just like you know a hobby, whatever. And then she started to see all these invoices piling up, and these people coming in, and she's like, "Wow, this is really cool." I said, "Yeah, this is. I think this is what I'm going to do." So. Um, Yet she still wasn't convinced that this would be, you know, a business that would take off. But it it, it started to take off. Mm-hmm. And it's, it happened very quickly.
0: And so that was in 1991? yeah. Okay. Yeah. At what point did you start to kind of say, hey, we're a real company? And did you identify kind of values? and?
1: You know, I'd say about 93 is is when I started to, you know, say this is a real company and I mm-hmm. got to go, you know, figure out my space and that sort of thing. Um I ended up um, buying this house in downtown Calgary about three blocks from the Calgary Tower. So it's sort of like, you know, it, it's like the Space Needle of Calgary. And there was this small little heritage home there that I bought. Um, it was $90,000 and uh, I put 10000 down and I, you know, I, I gutted the inside and repainted and everything and turned it into voodoo. And that sort of became kind of a landmark in the city. Um, and, and it was sort of then that, you know, we started to think about Voodoo as a brand and, you know, what it means and, you know, the community that we were building and that sort of thing. And that's kind of when the Internet started to, you know, happen. We were...
0: Really we early. Were,
1: yeah, we were like the first on yeah. the Internet. Like 1993, there was a company called CadVision that set up the local Internet. Um, we started to build our own forums where people could chat and stuff. And it was very early, but it was... It was Kind of, you know, it was it was interesting. To it see sounds like cool. kind of
0: impeccable timing. Yeah, it was. And so it's you and it's your buddy, and then how many people did you end up with before you ended up ultimately getting acquired?
1: So, so by the time it it started to take off, my my brother actually joined in '99. Um, so, it, you know, I would say it was a bunch of growth, early growth, and then um, I really wanted to focus on just building product and and hiring somebody that could help me lead the company. So I hired my brother in '99. That was like eight years later. The company just started to take off. We we were winning awards um in every major magazine. Well, we beat Dell in basically every single review possible. We beat H P. Mm-hmm. Um, we were beating everybody. And then in, in two thousand and five, um, I got a call uh from Michael Dell. Um and he He's like, he, I want some of that. Well, yeah, basically, yeah. Well, he called me, he, which was it's super interesting. This was on Remembrance Day, November 11th. I remember exactly. Veterans of the, Day. It, well, in Canada, oh, is it it's called, called Remembrance Day. Day? So on November 11th, I get a call at home. My wife comes in the office and she says, "Hey, Michael Dell's on the phone and he wants to talk to you." And I'm like, "Yeah, right." So I pick up the phone and he said, "Yeah, this is Michael Dell. I want to talk to you about your company." I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure it is." Like, and I I think I said something pretty, you know, like bad. And then I hung up the phone. And then my wife, like she turned like white as a ghost, and she said, "You know that I'm 99 percent sure that was Michael Dell. What are you doing?" I said, "No, no, it's just some idiot, whatever." And and I get an email, you know, a few minutes later, and it's Michael Dell, and he said, "You want to talk about your company or not?" And I knew it was him because of the email yeah. address where it came from. So then I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> I just hung up on you know the, this billionaire who I who I respect immensely. So I called him back and. Um, we ended up talking for a while, and basically for about two months, they were courting us. I went to Austin, you know, to run Rock to go meet with them. And um, we didn't really align with their thinking, um, a number of reasons why. Uh, but basically, Dell, Dell started to, you know, to uh, ask a lot of questions, and they wanted to do this acquisition with us. But then all of a sudden, HP came along at the same time, and they were both sort of courting us. And we, we didn't go with Dell. Um, Dell then went and bought our largest competitor, Alienware, at the time. And a few months later, HP acquired Voodoo. So,
0: yeah. Wow. And so, what was that experience like? You're now, I guess, 15 years in, or how many years in? Yeah, it was like
1: 15. That's a long time. But you're still
0: years. relatively young. Yeah. And- yeah.
1: I mean, um, I, it was it was an unreal experience. I mean, remember, you know, I never really had a job before. Right. right? My first job was at Woolco, right. And then I started my own company, and then and then I get acquired by this giant company. And were you scared? No, but but when we got in there, I I, I was like, you know, at that point. Well, because like,
0: how do I even do this? I don't really see you as a kind of big company kind of person. Not at
1: all. In fact, uh, it was you seem hard. more like an entrepreneur. Yeah, I am, um, and and I think there was a lot of learnings there. Um, a lot of arrogance on my part, you know, um, a lot of huge mistakes on HP's part, you know, management mistakes and the way they thought about brand and that sort of thing. Um, but you you learn, you know, after a while, you learn very quickly that you have to become a team player. You have to learn mm-hmm. how to collaborate. You have to be empathetic. I learned most of those things uh, at, at a very high level at Microsoft. Microsoft was an unbelievable experience for me, by the way. But HP... Was um, I remember going in there and and one of the people in the company, he was he was an executive in the company, he was a younger guy. Um, and he said, You know, HP is usually where executives go to die.
0: (laughs) Well, in my mind, I'm like picturing you this like badass voodoo, cool office space, and then I'm picturing you like HP. Yeah, he told me he he,
1: he was the one who said, Don't move here, whatever they offer you, don't move here. And I did, you
0: have to physically move.
1: No, I had four offers to move to California from Calgary, mm-hmm. and I never took any of them. I said, like, I just have no interest in moving here. I, the culture wasn't there. I mean, I walked into, I, I was part of HP Labs, so I'd go into HP Labs, and this is where Bill and Dave, the founders of HP, used to be, right? Their offices are still there, and they're sort of, um, you know, they're, they they left them as they were, like, including the coins on the desk and all this other stuff, right? They left it just intact, and when you walk into an HP Labs meeting, I mean, it was like it was like ZZ Top everywhere. You know, everyone had a beard. There were, you know, people. It felt like people on respirators. Like basically, everyone there was ready to just, you know, call it call it a day. <laughs> and uh, and I was in there, you know, trying to think, how does this company ever innovate? Like, what is what is happening here? And I realized that, you know, they just don't have a culture anymore. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think you probably know this with with larger companies. There's this thing called founder syndrome. Like once they lose the founder. How do you identify with the brand, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, and HP just they lost it. They lost the plot. Yeah. They lost their soul.
0: Was it a it. financially um, good move for you? Sure. And so, were you, um, I guess, fueled by money at the time? No.
1: Not at all. I was. I was. You were was, fueled
0: by innovating. It sounds like. I was fueled to... by
1: my brand and uh, the company. I still love it. I mean, I have a tattoo of it on my leg, right? And yeah, uh, <laughs> you
0: got to show me. Yeah, show too bad too. our listeners can't see it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I was more fueled by just creating, you know, something amazing. Like mm-hmm. we we thought we were going to be, we were going to take HP's dying product line, and create the the Lamborghini for HP, so that they could. Then create an Audi underneath mm. them and and help raise their 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 brand because they were going downhill on margins and price erosion. You know everything was falling apart for them and and we came in and we came up with this huge and incredible premium strategy, and uh, we created some amazing products at HP. We created the the world's first carbon fiber um, unibody notebook, uh, which is the same time as the MacBook Air came out um we created the the one of the best gaming PCs on the planet it was called HP Blackbird um and we had this 3 year strategy and things started to get really crazy there i mean we were we were uh not only lifting their brand but making them look cool they had more PR than they'd ever had in years i mean i remember the first launch we did in new york um hp the pr team said this is the most pr we've ever gotten like i can't remember the last time we've had this much pr this is amazing and yeah. and we raised the stock price and all of this stuff happened and then we launched this notebook and everybody wanted it but we couldn't deliver the volumes that they wanted so the guy who was running the business said we need a 3 month plan to grow your to scale your business <laughs> right like what are you talking about 3 months there's no way you yeah. can you can't scale a business like this in 3 months yeah. i mean we had a 3 year you know yeah. strategy and he insisted that we do it in 3 months i said look you force this in 3 months we're going to lose people we're going to lose talent uh the brand is going to blow up the community is going to hate us and he and he he said, oh, you know, we could sell HP can sell more boxes, no matter what brand is on it, than any other company. I mean, they, it was just a really stupid attitude. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, well, do whatever you decide. Like he was going to make the decision. He made the decision, and lo and behold, it it blew up everybody. Like we lost our best designers, we lost Ugh. our best team. Uh, that must and have been
0: heartbreaking. For it you. was.
1: It was, and and because these people have been with you for a long time, a long time, and. And, uh, and it was sort of then, this was like a year into the, the, the acquisition.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was your role within the acquisition? I, I was
1: the, the global CTO for mm-hmm. uh, HP's gaming and advanced computing business. So, you know, I was a pretty senior person in the company. Um, and uh, and I, I had just like completely checked out at that point. You know, once we started losing well, you feel people, like
0: you can't have impact I after couldn't, you've been I the couldn't. CEO and founder. No, I mean, it's they, like...
1: they neutered us like in a big yeah. way. Do you and... think
0: that uh, Dell would have been a better much better choice yeah so dell, it was a mistake
1: it was a mistake uh you know but dell made some mistakes at the beginning and, and I how think did they...
0: it go with their acquisition of your Still competitor going.
1: they're they're going well yeah oh. they, they they kept them autonomous they i mean they learned from what hp did wrong with us and they basically kept alienware autonomous and they kept it as a separate brand and it's going really well for them so mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah so good well, for them yeah good. and what yeah. was missing for you with dell you said you had different. Oh, so at the at the beginning, they wanted to just increase
1: their top line revenue. Yeah, and
0: you're they, like, we actually need to be able to.
1: Yeah, we need to be able anyway, to innovate and yeah. you know do all this stuff. But they were more interested in top line revenue at the beginning. But I think after they saw what happened with HP and Voodoo, they said, no, no, we should really do the real strategy, which yeah. is let's let's build the brand and come up with a premium product line and that sort of thing. And and they did that. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, all of these things help shape us, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned Microsoft, and so where does Microsoft fit into all so, this? So,
1: so I, um, I was. You, did uh, you leave HP after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. was involved with a bunch of different startups. Like I, you know, I'm, I've been in. Um, I was involved with Razor early as an investor. I, um, I, I helped to get. I mean, I got involved in a, a number of different things, like all competitive gaming type stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then i I got in contact um with with Steve Barmer on Facebook. uh we were just chatting about you know how are things going at h p and that sort of thing.
0: He reached out to you on Facebook or um, you reached out to him no
1: i man i I don't remember. I think it was just a conversation we had because we had just met at all things digital, so okay. we met at one of the events, yeah and we we're just chatting like yeah. it was just like an open chat yeah. back and forth and and then, um, you know, he asked how things were going at HP and I said, well, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not really having a great time. And he said, you know, you really need to meet Don Matrick, this guy who, who was at the time, the president of, uh, HR, Microsoft's, um, Xbox and entertainment business. And Don Matrick was a Canadian, uh, who, who had a company that got acquired by EA. He was well known in Canada. So I said, sure, you know, but I'm not really interested in going to another big company. And he said, well, just meet Don and, you know, if there's something there, there's something there. And, um, And he put me in touch with Don and, um, we had about a 20 minute conversation and he, he gave me, uh, you know, an exercise that, that changed my life within that 20 minutes. He he said, you got to go do this thing. Uh, you know, and I said, okay, like I didn't think it was real. Um, but you know.
0: What was the exercise?
1: Uh, (laughs) this could take a while. Well, just, (laughs) well, you have to give the, uh, the net net podcast version. Well, well, the net net podcast version is he told me to go do a one pager on myself, um, and and you know you think okay one page is easy like you know you you write about yourself in one page but no it's not it's not that at all like he quickly identified within within about a fifteen minute call that I was very unhappy at HP and that I needed to go do something else so he said you got to forget about HP you got to forget about Voodoo forget about all that because it doesn't exist anymore and even don't even think about Microsoft and just focus on yourself and he said you need to write me a paper that that talks about who you are where you came from. Uh, why you're at the crossroads you are today, and what do you want to do for the next five years that will light the fire that you had at, when you were at the peak of your career, which was when? And so, um, so I said, well, the peak of my career was when we were on the cover of Maximum PC and we got ten out of ten. And he said, okay, so remember that. Remember that place that you were at. And he said, you need to go write a story now, and it's got to be on one page. I said, okay, it sounds easy. He said, well, it's not, because you got to write the story out in in long form first. And then you have to whittle it down to get down to one page and it should take you at least two weeks. Um, and so I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get back with you in a month. We had just acquired Palm and, you know, I said, I, I need a little bit of time and I'll, I'll go write this thing. And then I forgot about it. Like I thought for sure he's just pulling my chain and he's wasting my time. Like maybe he doesn't want to, you know, he wasn't interested in me or whatever. I don't really care. Um, and this was in the middle of August of 2010. And then by September, uh, beginning of September, he emailed me out of the blue, and this is the president at Microsoft. There's only seven of them at the time in the company, and he said, "Hey, Rahul, I look forward to what you have to say. How's it going?" And I said, "Oh man, I've been working on this thing, and you know I hadn't even started it." But um, I said, "I've been working on this thing. I'll get back to you in two weeks." And I tell you what, this this exercise was unbelievable because I started writing and i wrote um i wrote you know 13 pages and then I, I eventually write it wrote 18 pages down and it was a it was a very amazing experience because you're writing about your past your present and your future And and you're doing it from a first person perspective, so sort of like a it's almost self promotional in a way, but in a way it um, it was very inspirational. It was sad at times. It was depressing. Like it was it was you know you took them
0: on your journey. Yeah, took them on your
1: journey, and then you have to take it down to one page. So you got to you got to whittle it down, whittle it down. So I went from 18 pages, 13 pages, finally down to one page. And oh my god, it was unbelievable. This exercise. Do you still
0: have that? Yeah, still have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an incredible recruiting.
1: yeah. Tool. yeah, And I sent that one page to him. And within 30 minutes, he got back to me and said, you have to come meet me at Microsoft and meet my team. And I said, I said sure, but for what reason? And he said, well, just come meet them and see if there's a fit. And he knew there was a fit based on this one pager. And I don't know if you've heard what the interview process at Microsoft is like, but it's like nine people have to interview you if you're going for a senior position. And I met nine people over a two-day period. I flew out to Microsoft to go meet them.
0: Were you and, like, where is Seattle? Or did you know? No, no,
1: I knew because we had a place out here. So we, we already came out here in the summers just to spend time here because we oh. loved it here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So So that was lucky. Yeah, it was lucky. So we came out here and um, I met nine different people. And I'm telling you, it was the most amazing experience of my life. The recruiter said, I've never had this happen before, but all nine people are a hire." And um and so we're we're gonna get back to you real soon. And they got back to me, and I I got hired as a GM uh, in Microsoft um by December. So yeah, wow, yeah,
0: you've described that. I mean, you kind of light up when you talk about Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I love Microsoft. It was such an amazing. How long company. were you there? Till uh, twenty fourteen, <laughs> you know, like three four years.
0: Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur.
1: Exactly, I didn't do an entrepreneur yeah. and. I wanted to get out And what out, were
0: the key kind of lessons you learned at Microsoft?
1: Oh, man, I learned everything at Microsoft. It was it was a crash course in senior leadership. I mean, I learned, um, you know, that first of all, this company is full of brilliant people. 99% of the people, 99.9% of the people are smarter than you, like just, just incredibly talented people. They're all type A personalities at the time. It was very, you know, whoever's loudest could sometimes win an argument, which, you know, you had to learn how to navigate that. But I learned, you know... A couple of big lessons. Number one is, you know, you have to be super empathetic in order to, um, be a good leader there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you also, you know, you have to come in with like, you know, some humility, obviously. I think, you know, those two things uh, alone really made a difference because, you know, by, by trying to understand one's position, you could then lead them into something, you know, and lead them into, um, you know, something that you believe in. Um, and I also learned that, you know, if you're really good at something at Microsoft, you can be very successful there. So if there's mm-hmm. something that you can bring that's a value that the company doesn't have, you can fill a hole in the company and fill a gap very quickly. So
0: and can you take some of your things that you learned there as far as um, you know, company culture and as far as leadership styles that you wanted to emulate? Yeah, I mean in, and in, incorporate in, those at, at in, your company? In, in in
1: some ways maybe. Like I I think there was, you know, you, you learn about the you know the people that you don't want to be like, or you don't want to emulate, and then and then you 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 learn about those that you know you do want to emulate. I guess right. And Microsoft's a tough place as a leader. I mean, if you think about, you know, for example, Satya Nadella, he was the one who actually gave me permission to go start Microsoft Ventures, and he did this underneath, you know, Steve Ballmer, who wasn't a big fan of it to begin with. Um,
0: of the whole idea of, whole or of idea. you you being involved. No, no, no. He oh. he
1: he had no problem with me being okay. involved. He just didn't like the idea of investing in startups. You know, I thought right. it was like a waste of time. Like a distraction. Yeah, a distraction sort of thing. But but Satya actually saw something in this and said it was actually a good thing and um and um uh, and But, you know, he also once did a speech where he talked about Microsoft and, you know, in order to be a good leader, you know, sometimes you have to be ruthless, right? And and he definitely made that point clear that you have to be ruthless. And I could see that. Like in his position, I mm-hmm. guess you have to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like Do, that. Do you have part. that in you? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't. either. So, so that was the part that I think um, – you know it was one of the reasons I, I i thought you know this probably isn't the right place for me long term mm-hmm. um the other thing is you know i i just felt like i had to get out and go start something else so mm-hmm. yeah
0: is it um a chicken and egg thing where you had an idea that you needed to start or did you just know that oh, you needed no. to start something
1: no no i i knew that i wanted to um to get back out into gaming um and you know we were already doing a bunch of research on different areas like different mm-hmm. emerging trends and within one, Microsoft within, Ventures. Within Microsoft Ventures, okay. yeah. And one of the emerging trends that I, I noted was uh you know, the, the advent of esports and, mm. and and how how big it was. And there was hundreds of millions of people watching people play video games mm-hmm. online. Oh yeah. And um and one of the companies that we invested in Microsoft Ventures was a gaming company out of Australia. And the CEO and I got along really well. And, um, you know, we just got together and started brainstorming ideas. And that's where the idea of Unicorn came out.
0: So is he your co-founder? He's my co-founder. The Australian guy. Yeah. And is he in Australia?
1: He's in Australia. Yeah.
0: Okay. He was here,
1: but, but he moved back there because... We, uh, as we built the company, we realized we needed more a a different type of DNA in the company. So,
0: tell us about Unicorn, another cool company name. Yeah, and the spelling and the whole deal. Yeah, U N I K R N. That's right. Yeah, Unicorn is a
1: um, an esports, a regulated esports betting platform. In other words, um, well, let let me just say this: esports got so big, and there's so many people viewing it that there is an opportunity for uh for gambling on on people the, who play the video games. yeah the irony is coming crazy. back to dad exactly <laughs> so um yeah exactly but you know we we um god we yeah my dad that's that's an interesting point actually i never really thought about that you know but uh wow yeah i mean unicorn sits at the intersection of video games and esports regulated gambling and blockchain technology and um I like betting on sports, and to my friend who's from Australia, I mean they bet on everything, yeah they bet on like politics, they bet on sports, and he's also a gamer and I told him about a company that I, a platform that I built with a friend of mine years ago before joining Microsoft called Play All, which was a platform that let you play video games against your friends for money um and um you know, I said the guy that I built it with was a genius he's one of the smartest engineers I've ever met. We ended up shelving the project because we didn't want to deal with the regulatory side of things at the time. Um, but we should talk to him. So, so then the three of us got together and we talked about it and we basically revived the idea. Um, we took all of the assets over from that company that or that platform that we built years ago and we started Unicorn. And that was it. It was just like real
0: simple. You know? And so who's the customer?
1: The customer is... Um, a a a young like a it tends to skew younger so it's about eight well our customer has to be eighteen minimum so it's eighteen to thirty four year old um, male mostly for the betting side although there are a, a number of females out in Europe and other places mm-hmm. that are, where they grew up betting that mm-hmm. is sort of a part of their culture. Um, and um, it's people who like to play video games uh, competitively, and also like to bet on, um, you know, sports
0: mm-hmm. generally speaking. But how do they also learn about cryptocurrency and all this other craziness because, that most yeah, people don't even understand? <laughs> do they just kind of gamble that part? Well, they, they like they, I don't even understand well, it, but no, I think I'm making money.
1: Yeah, no, they're younger people, um, and they tend to, you know, they tend to be tech savvy. Um, many of our customers are interested in Bitcoin, and mm-hmm. um, you know, they were already trading with wallets and that sort of thing. Cryptocurrency is very nascent at the moment. Um,
0: Can but, you explain it?
1: You know, I use Bitcoin as the example because Bitcoin is like the the number one best cryptocurrency out there. It's the first one made mm-hmm. essentially. Um, B- Bitcoin is a is a a digital coin or digital currency mm-hmm. that that you must mine. Uh, to to get um, uh, it, start, it started out with miners mining it to, to sort of get it. at the and end And for day, like
0: my mom who might be listening, what do you mean when you say mine?
1: Well, mine meaning it uses computing power or um, comp- computing hash power to sort of uh, to, search. Cr- to to get these yeah to search and get these coins essentially, okay. right? Yeah. But but the thing about Bitcoin is it's 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 all stored on a public ledger called blockchain, and uh, there's only 21 million Bitcoin at, at the end of the day when everyone is done mining. Uh, there will only be 21 million Bitcoin outstanding. Um, Bitcoin uh, has been the, the best investment um, in the last 10 years of any other investment ever. Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, if you invested you know, $100,000 in Bitcoin 10 years ago or $100,000 in Amazon, um, you'd be a billionaire had you invested in Bitcoin and you might have made like a, a million something on Amazon. Um, Did you invest? So- well, I, I invested, yeah. So I invested in Bitcoin uh, w- uh, early, like I started dabbling in it, you know, around 2013, 2014. Um, but I didn't really get heavy into it. Um, I, I actually started mining it, uh, you know, earlier. Um, I had 700 Bitcoin that I mined at one point in time that I, I lost, unfortunately. It was on a hard drive and I don't know where it is. I have a lot of different computer systems that I use, you know, at home because I'm in the gaming, in the, in the gaming business and mm-hmm. – um, and so I I played with things like folding and 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 uh, which which I can talk about another time. But I also played with like mining Bitcoin, and um, so I started early on it, and you know, but maybe not as early as you know some of the other people that you may have heard of uh, out there. But I did get into it um, at a at a fairly you know when it was fairly new, um, and then I started getting very heavy into it in um, late twenty sixteen, early twenty seventeen. And
0: is your company the only one who combines esports and? We're, we're cryptocurrency? the we're, we're the only company in the world right now, with with who's
1: licensed to to do betting with uh, betting on live sports, betting on esports, online casino, and skill betting on um, all of those things with fiat currency and cryptocurrency. We're mm-hmm. the only ones in the world with a license from the Isle of Man to do that, wow. and the Isle of Man is one of the most respected jurisdictions in the world for gambling.
0: And so, what's the business model? How do you make money? Well, people, you know, it's just like a casino, right? You take a cut. Or the house
1: wins. Well, no, you bet against the house, (laughs) right? So I can tell I don't don't, do this. Yeah, we don't always win, but we have odds. So we create odds using, you know, really sophisticated algorithms. And um, so we create odds on all of the major professional esports matches and people bet on them. So it's like, it's almost like betting on the Seahawks, Uh but you're betting on like Cloud9, which is a, you know, a a known esports team. Yeah. so that's one part of it. The other part is we let people connect their favorite video games to the platform and bet on themselves. So if you play games like League of Legends, like I do, or Dota, or Halo Five, even um, you can connect those. What's oh, the
0: other one I was telling you? My son plays. Um, you know the one other kids play.
1: Uh, Fortnite. Yes. Yeah. So if you can connect, you do that. Yeah. So if you can, well, your son can't if he's because he's yeah, not eighteen. Yeah, but, but I if,
0: can on his behalf.
1: If, if if you're not in Washington State, you can. So it depends on what state you're in too. Mm-hmm. So it's so it is highly regulated the business mm-hmm. that we're in. Um, the 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 thing that you're talking about, which is betting on yourself in Fortnite, is available in forty one states in the U.S.
0: And are you kind of on the front lines
1: of regulation? Of regulation, yes.
0: You're involved in all that.
1: We are. Uh, you know, there's. There's not a lot of people out there who understand it. You know, even those who lobby just yeah. don't fully understand what we do. So um, I would say that we're re- really good at what we do, and we talk to regulators all the time. So I'm pretty comfortable with our position.
0: Yeah. And are you at a stage right now kind of um, – I'm not switching gears, but I'm kind of more going back to my, like, deep questions. Yeah. Um, do you feel successful?
1: Oh, man. Um, well, you know, if, if success, if the definition of success is, is waking up every day and being excited about what you do and doing what you love every day and just not getting tired of doing it all the time, like I can, you know, I can work from anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I work very weird hours, so I only sleep three hours a night. So I...
0: Do I, not say that.
1: Yeah. What? I do. I only sleep... Why? Three, it's just the thing that I've been like since I was a kid. I only sleep three hours uh, a night since... I think
0: it was and like, you're healthy?
1: Got healthy, yeah. I went to a doctor when I was younger, and my parents thought there was something wrong. They said no, he's just.
0: I mean, is... I'm, I have to say, I'm jealous. Yeah, well, that's a dream. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: know if no that's pun dream. intended. Yeah, well. Well, three it, hours unless you're having anxiety and laying in bed with like uh, insomnia. No, no, I
1: I just don't sleep. So, so, so what are your
0: hours that you sleep? go to bed?
1: Uh, well, it depends. So I might go to bed at like eleven, and then you know I'll sleep till like two. Um, and then I'll I'll get up now. Normally, what I'll what I would do is I'd get up and I'd read or you know um, just meditate. I tried meditating for a while. It doesn't work for me. Meditation does not work. I have to read. I have to be doing something. And what
0: do you like to read?
1: Um, I I just like to read stuff online. So you know I I read like news. Like you're um, on
0: Flipboard or one of those. Yeah,
1: exactly. I use Flipboard. Yeah. I use all that sort of stuff. Um, I you know I do read books, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like a a big time book reader. You know mm-hmm. like, that
0: might make you relax. That'd be a good one.
1: I I've tried. I'm I'm just. Just you know, it has to be a really interesting book. Like like the last book I read was uh, the Theranos book, Bad Blood. I read that. Me too. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, it's a great book. I kind of became obsessed. Obsessed. So so I read that in about three days. Yeah, um, and it was it was good. Like I saw the story and all of that stuff. So it has to be super interesting, or I just won't get into it. Um, Yeah. But but anyways, my my thing is that you know we've got this team. Our company is global, right? Yeah. So we have people in Germany and in Sydney and Croatia and Poland and New York and Las Vegas. So it's and good Seattle. that you don't sleep. Exactly. So I speak to people all the time, you know, about what we're doing, you know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah. And so, um, what else do you do? I know you're into cycling. Right. So
1: I like cycling, although I haven't been. Do you wear on... like
0: the little outfits? Yeah, <laughs> are you one of those people? The love it. Like that, like I
1: am. Although I haven't, um, I have to admit, I haven't worn my outfits in a while, and I haven't been on my bike in a while because I've just been so busy. Do you ever do
0: indoor cycling? Like,
1: I got a Peloton. Yeah. So I've have you had one of those? Uh,
0: I I have an indoor bike, but I don't right. have the Peloton. So the Peloton's pretty amazing. People are into that.
1: But I've used it like uh, five times. Um, I I bought it earlier this year, and it's sitting there collecting dust. My friend
0: Raja, who was on um, the podcast, got a Peloton, and he's like super into it. Yeah, I got to get into it. He's gotten really fit. Yeah, I got to get into it. You need to find some friends that you can, or or make make it a sport, like a gambling thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, I know I also said in the intro, you've got kids. Yeah. (laughs) You're so young. How old (laughs) are your kids?
1: My kids. So my daughter's 21. Um, I have a son that's 20. He's at UW. Um, And then another son that's uh,
0: 16. Yeah. Wow, so yeah. you're almost an empty nester, and yeah. you can work from yeah. wherever.
1: Yeah, I can work from wherever. So, are you, yeah. are
0: you like going to stay in Seattle? Or is De- your, is your there a dream? Oh, I love Seattle.
1: We'll definitely stay here. Um, in fact, we're, we're kind of looking. Do we sell our place now? It's it's a little large. It's on you know it's on the east side. We don't know, but but I will say that um, we're at that stage now where we want to transition into something else. Don't know what it is yet, but definitely Seattle is where we're going to stay.
0: Yeah, um, I know because we've we've talked about your kids, and I know that you're really proud of your kids. And are any of them kind of gamers?
1: Yeah, they all are. All, all three. Well, in fact, uh, my son, my middle guy, who's 20, was the one who made me quit Microsoft to go start Unicorn. Because <laughs> so, he uh, had a vision. Yeah. Well, he he basically told me that, you know, you've got to look at esports now. You know, he, he watched me grow up uh, with voodoo, right? And, yeah. he, you know, he grew up watching his dad travel all the time and start this computer gaming company. Then I went to Microsoft, and he he was like, "Dad, you need to quit your job at Microsoft. Why don't you get back into gaming?" And he kept pushing me and pushing me. and then eventually he said, "You got to look at what's going on in eSports." and he got me into League of Legends. All three of them did, and we started playing games together. And then I was like, "Whoa!" This and who's is crazy. the best?
0: Are you to beat them?
1: Uh, I'm probably the best now, but back then, no, not not even like yeah. close. But yeah, but but between say the four of us, I'm the best now. At least, As, where's Let's...
0: your wife and all this? She's just like, what the hell is <laughs> happening in my house? Pretty
1: much, yeah. She doesn't play games. She's not into it. She's at not all. into it. No, no. But uh, you know, she's a good mom. So well, yeah. that's good.
0: Yeah. And so, how did all these crazy high profile people find you to invest?
1: Right. So uh, Mark. Cuban actually was a mentor uh, when I was selling HP to, oh, sorry, Voodoo to HP. Um, uh, he was mentoring me through the process. And he didn't. How did you meet him? R- randomly, I reached out to him. You know, you can never, you, you you shouldn't take this for granted. Like you can reach out to anybody. You know, if you're good, you can reach out to anybody. You can ask them any questions, and the worst you're going to get is no response, right? Mm-hmm. But he happened to respond, and you know, we we talked a few times, talked about the company. Um, and then over time, I, you know, I told him about the potential acquisitions and that sort of thing. And he gave me some advice on what to do. He actually showed up at the launch event in New York, um, and came on stage and congratulated us. Like it was awesome, you know, when we sold, uh, That's super to, to cool. HP. So, uh, I hadn't talked to him for years, you know, sold the company to HP, hadn't spoken for years. I mean, I talked to him a couple of times while wow, I was at HP, he wanted us to do some things and, you know, HP being HP, we never amounted to anything. Then I joined Microsoft and, um, and then I, I, as I started Unicorn, um, there was a guy who used to cover us at uh, on CNBC. Um, his name is John Fort, and he called me and said, "Hey, I hear you're quitting Microsoft to go start this esports company." I said, "Yeah." And he says, "Do you want to be on my show?" I said, "Sure." So, uh, so November one was when we started announced um, uh, Unicorn, and November eighth I was on CNBC, and so I started <laughs> sure. talking a little bit, a little bit about the company. I said, "I can't really share much, you know. We're an esports platform, blah blah blah." I talked about esports. And then I get an email from Mark Cuban right after the show. And he said, wow, you're getting into esports. That's going to be big. Uh, Congratulations. I said, thanks. I I would have told you sooner, but, you know, we're probably past the seed stage. We've already, you know, got a bunch of commitments for money. Um, He said, well, send me the deck and I'll tell you if I'm interested. And I said, sure. So I sent him the deck. And within 30 minutes, he said, I'm in. And he CC'd somebody on his team and said, like, make this investment. Um, you know, how much do you need? So that was pretty incredible. So
0: Super incredible. And yeah, is he involved or do you have a board? He's
1: very involved. Um, he is probably one of the more active investors. Like he always, you know, responds. He always sends me, you know, connections, that sort of thing. We don't have a board. Um, we only did a Series A.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he's one of the more vocal investors on, on the group.
0: And what about, how do you find these others? Liz so so and I, it just came. Ashton Kutcher. It, yeah,
1: so Ashton Kutcher came because Mark Cuban invested and he wanted to learn more about what we were doing. Yeah. And Ashton Kutcher actually has a very, uh, he has a deep knowledge about what we do. He's, he's, um, he's got a very, very good experience in sports betting. That's all I'll say about that. So he's super smart. He knows about odds making. He knows about all of it. We were surprised when we, when we met and started to share what we were doing. So he got involved. Um, Liz Murdoch and Sherry Redstone, they just came through, you know, through the through. grapevine, basically. Wow. Liz Murdoch is pretty, uh, uh, you know, aggressive in the media space, obviously, you know, with, mm-hmm. with her family. Glad, yeah. Um, but, but she's also, you know, a very savvy investor, and so she looks for early trends, um, you know, and she wants to get in as early as possible.
0: You know, I love the part where you said, hey, anybody is reachable. Yeah, and so is there anyone that you would love to have Elon access Musk. to? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Have you reached? Tried? I have tried, and yeah. he just doesn't respond. Hasn't responded yet. Um, Maybe but... he's going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, you just never know. <laughs> I, so. I highly man. Doubt
1: it. I would. I would pay a lot of money to have lunch with him. Yeah.
0: Is he the person that he's the like person. that question that people get asked? He's the one. He, he's the one. Yeah. And but it, it should... sounds like you don't have any competitors. I well, mean obviously I in the esports area but not yeah. combining.
1: Yeah, not combining everything that we do. Yeah. There there's there's nobody out there that combines what we do. Um there are bookmakers out there like betting companies that offer esports odds. Mm-hmm. But Unicorn is a company that lives and breathes and eats and sleeps, you know, video games and esports. And mm-hmm. we've built a community around it. We've built a, you know, a platform around it. Like we, we really have a living, breathing brand um, mm-hmm. in esports, and and we're known for that. And I think that is a that is a huge differentiator for us. But it's also, it's also the thing that makes people call on us. So yeah. all of the big operators out there in Las Vegas and other places, they're all contacting us to see how they partner with Unicorn because we're the brand to to beat.
0: Yeah, and so, so when I asked you about, um, you know, if you feel successful now, and you kind of started with "Why well, I Wake Up Every Day," right. clearly you're extremely passionate still. But where where are you trying to take the company? So that you is there a place a destination?
1: Yeah, like I I think for me the um, the the destination is I I believe that Unicorn will be, you know, the the biggest bookmaker in the world, um, and 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 certainly. I look at the future of entertainment and where it's going, uh, especially in Las Vegas and how Las Vegas is changing. Um, and I think that there is a, a way for us to to be very well positioned on the Strip. So, um, so I, I don't know. I you know it's it's just kind of like when you look at the business and how we want to grow the business. I see Unicorn as being the center of of uh, of entertainment and uh, for like adult type entertainment, I
0: guess you <laughs> could say. Right? That type of adult.
1: That type of entertainment, yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> you seem like you really are a Swiss Army knife because you can sell, yeah. you can build, you can innovate, you can manage people. Where are you lacking?
1: We're in a highly regulated industry, right? The gambling industry is highly regulated and I get that and we work with regulators all the time the challenge that we have is the blockchain industry is not very well regulated in the U S there's no regulatory clarity. And, you know, as a result of that, there's a lot of challenges like legal challenges and things that we deal with on a regular basis. I, I, I used to let that stuff stress me out. You know, I used to let legal and regulatory, that sort of thing just stress the hell out of me. And then, Then I look at companies like Lyft and Uber and Tesla and I think about what they went through. And I want to think about what Tesla went through. Think about this. This guy set out to build an electric car company. He he built a uh, a a global energy network, a private public energy network, basically uh, crushing gas stations. You know, like if you think about the the supercharger network where you can take your Teslas and go charge, it's unbelievable, right? On top of that. Uh, he built a energy uh, platform for houses, right? You know, with batteries and like shingles and all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, and then he's got these these cars running around and building the most incredible AI neural network ever. Like, the, the their mapping data that they have is better than anybody in the world, right? And they did all this uh, as under the guise of being a car company, right? Um, and everybody who compares them to Ford has no clue what they're talking about, like Elon. Uh, and Tesla's not a car company they're they're right. they're like technology a, yeah innovator, they're a technology disruptor. Innovator. yeah and and they they had to fight against regulators, they had to fight against politicians, they had to fight against oil and gas companies, car companies, and they're still fighting to this day you know every time you see him in an interview, you can see the stress on him having to deal with that sort of stuff, but you know he kind of lets it go on Twitter. I love that about him right mm-hmm. and and I think what people don't understand about Tesla and they don't appreciate is that he has a fan base that, you know, Steve Jobs had. Very yeah. few companies Do you had. have a Tesla? I do have two. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're just amazing cars. It's like the I'm a car guy, by the way. Yeah, so, well, that's
0: why I asked you about yeah, the car thing. Yeah. Like which I, car I, you would be driving. You said the big Mercedes bus, <laughs> which was surprising.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if Tesla made one, i get one in a second. So, like, I have a truck. I have a bunch of different cars. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, as, a, as somebody who's driven basically every single dream car out there um, – uh, Tesla is like my favorite car. Your favorite car. Yeah.
0: I feel like I like feel like you're car. in
1: a uh, you know in a race car that can drive itself. Like I drove here, you know, from the east side, and most of it was the car driving. So and
0: so your hands are on the, the
1: wheel. Well, well, kind of like they're just there, but not doing anything, right? You have to hold the wheel, but you don't really have to do anything.
0: So. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming from the east side. Uh, yeah. that, that's really really nice. <laughs> um, we're gonna wrap up soon, but I love that you. Um, our first discovering, like, it seems like you're having a in-the-moment experience of understanding that you're kind of bringing it full circle with your dad, being yeah. kind of in the gambling thing. And I did read that he passed away um, how many years ago?
1: Um, he passed away in 2000.
0: 2000, so almost like 19 years ago. Yeah. And so how did that change you and what did that um, do for you as far as your... Engagement in the medical industry.
1: Yeah, so so my dad was a uh, you know he was a, he was an alcoholic. So mm-hmm. He used to he used to drink almost every day, and we thought for sure he was going to die of alcoholism um, because he would be in the hospital every six months with pancreatitis. Um, but he was also an amazing entrepreneur. Like when he was sober, he was just an incredible guy, and I learned a ton uh, about business from him. Yeah, because of you know just how he was. Um, so he he actually found out that he had a brain tumor in November and he died in January of this like malignant brain tumor that he had um and uh and he uh it was a surprise to everybody So he it, found it, out in
0: November of 99 yeah, and then and died, died in, in 2000 G- oh my gosh.
1: yeah and um and you know I didn't really have a lot of friends in the who who were high up in the medical industry at the time everyone was still in med school you know um and um one of my friends became a radiologist shortly after Um, And he is a more of an entrepreneurial radiologist, super smart guy. He's one of the smartest people I've met. And he's like my best friend. When he was going to school, he used to go in and take photographs of the scans, like with a digital camera, so he could review them later. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like nobody did this, right? They all just went in. They all read uh, these scans. They did their job and they left. This guy would go in you know, and take pictures of it and then study them afterwards and then organize them in his own little database. I said, why are you doing this? And he said, well, you know, these are interesting cases and here's why they're interesting. And, you know, he, he could see a day where, you know, people could share those interesting cases, right? So we came up with this concept. It was called BrightSquid. And the idea was that people could, medical professionals could share interesting cases over borders and silos and then annotate them. And then, you know, you could cross-reference them and see, like, th- there's a person in India who has the same brain tumor as my father, and he got treated with something. Wait, you so know. you
0: started a company out of this? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's called BrightSquid. It's still running to this day. Um, and it went from Bright Squid Health to Bright Squid Dental, so we do both. Um, That's super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. No one
0: else was doing that?
1: No, not at that time. I mean, this is way early. And it was an incredible learning experience (laughs) because, you know, we thought we'd invest like $100,000 each. Three of us went into it. We ended up investing, you know, 10 times that basically. Now it's just running and we've got CEOs and that sort of thing running the business. Um, But it was a really – the idea was basically when my dad was, you know, dying of this tumor, we wanted more answers and we couldn't get them. Um, we needed them quick. We need them quick. Yeah, and and you know the future is where patients will be the stewards of their own medical information, um, and you'll be able to get those answers a lot quicker. You know, it's just too bad that it's taken this long. You know, yeah. to get where it needs to go. I mean, I'm fascinated by healthcare. You know, I'm fascinated by Theranos. Actually, you know, when I when you think about Elizabeth Holmes and uh, and um, her her, you know, if you watch the story and you saw what they were doing. I believe her downfall was was her relationship with that guy, Sonny Baldwin yeah, or whatever. Like yeah. I, I feel that she actually believed what she was doing, and she was, you know, she really believed in it, and and it really was her goal to make it work. Yes. but it was once they got the commercial deal with Walgreens that they were forced to fake it, <laughs> right? And uh, and that was terrible. And terrible. And that was her downfall. Uh, and and yeah. I think if she had 10 more years to kind of do it, maybe she would have had something. I mean, yeah. who knows. Well,
0: did you see so, the movie? Or you just re- I uh, read the book? So the movie, and then I also listened to the podcast. I became kind of psycho. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's a series coming There's a miniseries. There's a miniser- yeah. I mean, it I is a wait. fascinating. Yeah. yeah, But the story where they were saying that um, a lot of inventors kind of fake it till they make yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Um, you can't do that in healthcare.
0: But, but I'm like, yeah, when you're talking about people getting diagnosed, right? You can't do that in healthcare. You can't do that. You,
1: you can't do that when you build, you know, uh, driverless, like car. planes yeah, or yeah, driverless you, cars, planes, driverless cars, any of that we stuff. You can't right? be like, oh, maybe yeah. it'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, not. And um, you know, there, there is regulation should be there to protect consumers, not stifle innovation. So it's, they're sort of balancing both. Yeah. Unfortunately, they just went. They just went way too far. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry that it had to take your dad getting sick and ultimately passing away to start it but as a as a human I'm grateful that this exists. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'm sure that he would be super proud of all the stuff that you're doing.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I would hope so. You know, I think I remember when he was in the hospital and we just appeared on the cover of this magazine. It was like my goal to get on this in this magazine.
0: In that was place. you at the height of your Yeah, it was yeah. the height of my career oh, yeah. and
1: we I went out and I showed this to him and I brought the PC that we sent to them in the hospital to show it to him. And then uh we watched the movie Gladiator and we got halfway through before he died. <laughs> so, you know, like we I love that movie, but you know, that was like that's what I remember of my uh you know, final days with him basically. Wow. So, yeah. Well it's
0: nice that you were able to have that experience. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I always ask all my guests this, what fuels you? That's the name of the podcast.
1: What fuels me? Um what oh, man, I yeah. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. Um, there's a
0: lot. It sounds like you're, yeah, you're a layered there's person. A, there's just a
1: lot going on. I, I think I think what fuels me is hunger. You know, um, you, like have you ever been in a situation where you know things seem really dire or things are, are very like you know you're in trouble? You've got a bunch of people that are relying on you. You know, you have to get to a certain place um, or you have to get a deal done or whatever it is. It's always that hunger and. And I, and I remember when I was at Microsoft, um, you know, we would talk to entrepreneurs about, you know, runway and how you should think about runway and when you raise a bunch of money, what happens. And um, we set artificial runways for ourselves. once we raise a certain amount of money and once we started to hit a certain clip. Where if you have an artificial runway and you say you must hit these goals before you get to the next level, that creates a hunger. Um, I like that. Yeah. So I think that's what fuels me. If I don't have that and I get content, then we're in trouble. Yeah. Once I start feeling too comfortable, we start going backwards, and yeah. that's happened a few times in my life. So
0: yeah. yeah, and I can imagine that that would be depressing. It's
1: very depressing. Um, you should have seen me when I was at HP. Like, <laughs> if you want to see depressing, it was pretty bad. Like, yeah. I, I I was working from home. Remember, I said I didn't move to Palo Alto. Yeah, and um, you know, I would host meetings while in my hot tub. Like, it got really bad. And I'd sit around. I was growing a beard. I was wearing velvet every day. lived <laughs> in Canada. Whatever. And uh, Velvet's come back. Yeah, Velvet's come, come back. I
0: hope then. you held on to some of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did. Um, and, and I was building like remote control helicopters and, uh, and remote control planes and just flying them around. That's all I did. And it yeah.
0: seems like probably the people who knew you growing up in Canada and your kids and all the people that know you from the tech community would probably describe you in the same way. Right? probably yeah yeah you seem like you're just kind of this is me in the office out of the office at home yeah yeah this is my dna <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah you can't really change that and i think that a lot of entrepreneurs are just like that yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. They, if you're not building what are you doing
1: i'm a big believer in um uh when you build a company you know when you build a brand you don't just worry about what the logo is you have to think about things like your team culture you have to make a really great product and then you have to build a fan base. And that sort of becomes the foundation of your brand. And I think that's kind of how you and I met because we discussed that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, that's, that's, that's why Voodoo is what it was. And that's why Unicorn is what it is today because of that philosophy of building that kind of fan base.
0: Yeah. That's um, my favorite part of yeah. being a CEO, I have to say. Yeah. Just building, building the client right. relationships, building the team, yeah. building a culture. That's great. Yeah. We're lucky yep. beyond. I agree. So Rahul, thank you so much for being on the What Fuels You podcast. Thank you, and I look forward to continuing to watch you uh, grow your business and uh, thrive and uh, inspire the rest of us.
1: Thank you, I appreciate
0: that. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review